the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the telecast again this week. Uh, it's a thrill to be able to come into your homes each week here on TV2 and teach from the Word of God. Just, if, you know what, if I can give uh, some hope, some encouragement, uh, sometimes a little correction maybe, uh, observation, uh, but always under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of the blood of Jesus, backing up the things that we're saying from the Word. Well, we consider that a great privilege, and I want you to know uh, that we have enjoyed the 12 years that we've been on here. We have no plans to stop anytime soon, and um, uh, we get a lot of letters about the battlefield uh, segments, and we're going to have some more of those coming up for you here just shortly uh, from Gettysburg and from Virginia and other locations across the United States. So thanks for tuning in, and thanks for faithfully on Wednesday night spending this half an hour with us. We really, really appreciate it. Today I just want to talk to you just for a few minutes. We're going to give you a lot of scripture today uh, just uh, about God's promises. You know, a few programs ago we talked about the Word of the Lord. We talked from Proverbs chapter 4. And one of the statements that I made in that teaching was that the Word of God is final authority and first place in my life as a Christian. And um, that's a common thing that you've probably heard preachers say many, many times. And sometimes you wonder, okay, well, how, how do I do that? How do I make God's Word my final authority and give it first place in my life? And, of course, we, we covered that in that program. Uh, we attend to it. We pay attention. We incline our ear. We listen with both ears, not just with one. Okay, uh, we speak it out of our mouth. We, we, we bootress the promise of God with our hearty agreement. And, and not that the, the promise doesn't need my agreement. The promise is true whether I agree or not. But when I step up there and say the same thing, that's what confessing means, as God says, it just grounds my heart deeper uh, in the things of faith. And so that's why we do these things. And that gives God the preeminence in our lives. It gives His Word the preeminence. And that's what's going to pull you through, ladies and gentlemen, in a, in a tough situation. In times like we're living in today, where we don't know from one day to the next what we're going to face necessarily. But the Word of God never changes. The promises of God are yes and amen. And so we believe His promises. And we stand upon those promises. So we're just going to look at a few scriptures today and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to apply this to our lives, to our hearts, to our situations. Uh, wherever we might find ourselves right now, God is the same. He's the same God for me and the same God for you. I might be facing something that you are not facing. You are facing things that I do not face. But the same God has the answer for us all. Hallelujah. And it's found in His promises or in His Word. And so let's look at this just for a moment. Uh, the first thing I want you to know about the promises of God is that the promises of God are unfailing. Put that right up on the screen there. The promises of God are unfailing. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, here's what the Bible says. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, according to all that he had promised. There has not failed one word, there has not failed one word of all his good promise 
which he promised through his servant Moses. In 1 Chronicles 17.26, it says this, And now, Lord, you are God and have promised this goodness to your servant. Psalm 77.8 says it this way, Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Question mark. And a question mark in that grammar structure indicates the impossibility of it. In other words, it's impossible for God's mercies to cease forever. And it's impossible for his promises to fail. Glory be to God. So we understand here that the, uh, the psalmist wasn't asking a question. Even though there's a question mark. Uh, in, the, in the structure of the sentence, grammatically what it was declaring was the impossibility of those things ever happening. Praise God. In Psalm 111, verse 5, here's what it says. He has given food to those who fear Him, and He will ever be, be mindful of His covenant. So here's the thing you need to know about the promises of God. When God makes one, when God makes a promise, when He says a thing, when He makes a covenant, and He has made a covenant, signed it in the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross, that promise, that covenant, is always in God's mind. He is ever mindful of what He has said, and He will perform it, and He will do it. And he will keep his word. You've heard me say it many times over the last couple of years. God is not a liar. Men are liars. God is not a liar. And God will keep his word. The Bible says even if he has to swear to his own hurt, he will keep his word. And he will do all his good pleasure. He will give us all this promised goodness that he has declared. We need to have the faith to believe it in the midst of every situation. Praise God. Let's look at Jeremiah 42 verse 10 for one for one minute here. Jeremiah 42 10 it says this, if you will still remain in this land then I will build you and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up for I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. Zechariah 4 and 9 the Bible says this, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. So we see that the promises of God, first of all, are unfailing. And secondly, the promises of God are assured. They are assured by divine ability. In other words, we're not getting a promise from some little old midget over here, spiritual midget, that can't do anything. We're getting a promise from God who has all power, and because of His divine ability, it guarantees and assures the promise. Let's read a verse. Uh, let's read here in Romans 4.21. And this, of course, was Abraham. And it says that he was fully convinced that what God had promised he was also able to perform. You see, there's no reason for you and I to walk around in our Christian lives half convinced 
of the willingness and the love and the power of God to intervene in our lives and give us what He promised because we can be fully convinced because of His mighty power, we know He can do it. And He has said He would do it and He does not lie. God is not a liar. So there's no reason for us to be anything other than fully convinced. The rub comes and the struggle comes in the midst of that moments uh, where the flesh and the spirit are engaged in warfare. And again, our ground is right here. It's the word of the Lord. That's what we stand upon. That's what we lean upon. And that's what we function in in those moments. So the promises of God are unfailing. They are assured by divine ability. And they are, every one of them, grounded in Christ. In Christ. Let's say it this way. Because Jesus went to the cross, because He died on the cross and shed His blood and paid for sins that He did not commit, in order that we could have His righteousness that we did not commit, He paid a debt He did not owe, so that's my debt that I could not pay. And as I put my faith in that, well, that's how I got saved, and that's how I get sanctified, and that's how I walk a, a daily walk with the Lord. But also, something that we, we need to understand, it makes the promise certain. It guarantees the Word. In reality, the Word was spoken long before it happened and was never in doubt that it would happen. At the same time, the death of Christ upon the cross makes the promise sure to all the saints. Let's read what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. In other words, in Christ it is so. In Christ there is salvation. In Christ there is victory. In Christ is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. In Christ is divine healing. In Christ is prosperity and blessing. In Christ is the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of Almighty God to work miracles. All of it is in Christ, and it's yes and it's amen. It's go after it. Let's go after it. Go forward. Hallelujah. So when we have needs in our lives, when we have things that we desire that God has put within us, God is, is, is not obligated to honor necessarily what I want, but He will honor His Word. And so when He puts a Word within us, we can rest assured that He will give us the faith. Faith is a gift from God, and God will give us the faith to be able to see the thing accomplished that He desires accomplished in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, in our ministries, in our occupations. There are no limits to God. And there's no limits to His Word other than those limits that the Word has set for itself. Okay? There's no limit to God other than the limits God has set for Himself. There are some things God will not do. And so you waste your time when you ask Him to do it. He's not going to kill your neighbor. Okay? I mean, there's some things that God's not going to do. 
We don't ask crosswise with the character of God. But when we ask according to His Word, according to His wisdom, according to His will, and according to His character, and we're in Christ, we get the thing that we ask of. And, and, and 1 John chapter 5 tells you that. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Here is uh, a way that we need to be grounded in Christ and we use the promises of God to get us into position to receive in this area. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we can see that the promises of the Word of God aids in the development of our holiness. And, and holiness starts on the inside before it ever manifests itself on the outside. See, it starts by believing the promise. If you want to know the truth about it, the first step into holiness is to believe in Christ Jesus. To believe in his, what He did at the cross. To believe in His shed blood. That's the first step into holiness. And the rest of it comes by a gift of the Holy Spirit, by, by, by a gift of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we daily live out our salvation. Glory to God. And we stand upon the Word of the Lord. So this week so far we've said that the, the promises of God are unfailing. They are assured by divine ability. They are grounded in Christ. And also they are of infinite value. There's more worth in the promises of God than in your bank account. All the money on Wall Street, all the stock portfolios, the Word of God is worth more. The promises of God are of infinite value. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. By which we have been given to us. Let me start again by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Hallelujah. Every one of the promises in this book are exceedingly great and exceedingly precious. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Not allowing this, the old sin nature to rule in your life anymore, but you can actually be a partaker of the divine nature of God through the promises of the Word of the Lord as they are anointed by the Holy Spirit and applied by the blood of Jesus to your life and to your heart. Okay? That you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Somebody asked me one time, you know, if you preach that God will, will prosper and bless you, are you one of them there, uh, prosperity preachers, that your focus is on money? No. My, I've escaped the corruption of this world because of lusting after these things. Doesn't mean we don't want things. Doesn't mean we don't need things. Doesn't mean we can't have things. But what it does mean is my motivation is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And my motivation is to please God, to live my life, coram Deo, in the face of God, in everything I do, pleasing to the Lord. And with that as a foundation, and that is the foundation, that's every one of these promises and statements about promises that we've been reading shows us that that is the foundation, is that you and I might be pleasing to the Lord. Well, God delights in the prosperity of His servant in that situation. 
And prosperity is relative anyway. For some people, it might be you have a money need and God meets it. Other people, you know, they, they need a cow in the backyard. They need some chickens, some eggs. See, prosperity means different things to different people. And prosperity is not evil. Money is not evil. The love of money is evil and falls up underneath this corruption that is in the world through lust that you and I have been delivered from if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And if, if the Holy Spirit is, is flowing in and through our hearts, then we can have things without things having us. And we can have blessings and be a blessing instead of hoarding it all for ourselves. And so no, I'm not against prosperity. I'm against greed, and I'm, a, I'm against uh, hoarding and the different things of that nature, but I'm not against prosperity because God's the author of everything good. God's the author of prosperity. So these promises are of infinite value, far more value than gold or silver, far more value than diamonds or fur coats or fancy houses and cars. The promises are the value that we should seek after in our life. Hallelujah. And finally for today... The, these promises that the Lord gave us, gave, He gave with the idea of culminating in everlasting life. Let's read 1 John 2.25. And this is the promise that He has promised us. So this is the promise of all promises right here. Eternal life. Let's read that again. 1 John 2.25. This is the promise... You know, Jesus once said, what would it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? I want you to think of that for a moment. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, all of the houses, all of the lands, all of the automobiles, all of the money, all of the suits of clothes, all of the technology, all of the mutual funds, all of the bank accounts. He has it all, but he loses his own soul. How does that benefit you? And of course the answer is, it does not benefit you at all. Because as Billy Graham once said, I have never seen a hearse rolling down the highway with a U-Haul on the back of it. You are taking nothing with you when you leave here. Nothing's going out of here. Except your body's going into the dust of the earth and it will become dust again. And your spirit will either go to heaven to be with the Lord God or it will go to hell and be with the devil. But you are not taking your riches with you. And so we shouldn't set our heart on those things. And the promise, the granddaddy of all promises is eternal life. And along the way, we need the other things He's promised and so he has dedicated himself to provide for us on our journey. Isn't that a great God? Isn't that an awesome and wonderful God? That all along the way, he cares for us each step of our journey. That's the God that we serve as Christians today. Listen, I want to invite you, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to invite you right now. I didn't finish this message today, but I sensed the Holy Spirit telling me to quit. And to have this word of prayer. One day, I was lost. And I was in your position, and I kind of know what you need to say. But the words that I say, you repeating them, 
will not save you, but if you believe in all of your heart, you can and will be saved right here today in front of your television set. So let's pray together, can we? Dear God in heaven, I know that I'm a sinner, and there's nothing, nothing I can do to save myself. I don't have the ability nor the power. But I have heard the story of Jesus, and you sent him to die in my place on that cross of Calvary and to bear my sins, to pay for them. And oh, I receive that right now. And I ask the Lord Jesus to come into my heart, to live inside of me, and to take control of my life, to be my Lord. And I dedicate the rest of my life on planet Earth to serving Jesus with everything within my heart. And I love Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And today he lives at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for his people. I want to be one of those people now. And so I accept Jesus and receive him into my heart right now. And I will tell somebody today that I have made this decision. And I ask you to wash me in the blood and cleanse me from every sin I've ever committed, Lord, and turn my heart unto righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Wow, if you just prayed that with me, or something similar there, if you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the family of God Almighty today. Somebody said, well, you mean God's not the father of all men? No, Adam is the father of all men. God is the Father of those who come through the second Adam, as the Bible describes, Jesus Christ. And so you remember in John 8.44 where he said, You are of your father the devil. Well, see, you don't want to be that. You don't want to, you, you, we, were, we all were one day that. Because we were children of Adam. And in Adam, when he fell, we fell. And when he sold out allegiance, we sold out allegiance because we were in him. Well, now, 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 when you received Christ, you are in Christ. You're in the second Adam. So when God is pleased with him, he's pleased with us. When, 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 when Jesus has overcome, we overcome. When Jesus has victory, we have the victory. We just need to keep believing. Keep believing. Keep believing and standing in faith. And God will move mighty mountains in your life with his more mighty power. And he'll bring you to look more and more like Jesus all the days of your life now that you've started this journey. And these divine promises of God can be yours and active in your life on a daily basis as you trust the Lord for it. And you don't relent. Don't relent in your trusting of Him. Just keep going and keep going and God will progress you further and further. There's more that we can talk about uh, where the promises of God are concerned and someday we might pick it up again. Uh, and discuss this subject again. But we touched the high points today. Listen, whatever the need in your life, maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, whatever your need is in your life, God has your answer. It's in the Word. And the Word is assured by divine ability. He will do it. He will bring it to pass in the name of Jesus Christ. So as I leave you today, I want to leave you with the understanding that we're here to pray for you. You can email us. Uh, the email will be up on the screen. And we'd be more than happy to agree with you in prayer over the needs of your life with the understanding that God's going to meet that need 
And He's going to turn that situation for His glory in Jesus' mighty name. And until next week, this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, Go with God. He will always go with you.